0: Welcome to the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. Here we discuss fitness, nutrition, gut health, alternative medicine, and anything else that impacts your health and fitness. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, welcome to another Power Pack episode of the Zika Health Show. You're really going to love this one because today... I have Dr. Carolyn Stone. She's a practicing naturopathic doctor. And let me tell you, in this episode, we got into hormones, gut health, Hashimoto's disease, thyroid issues, and so many other things that don't just impact your weight, but also your overall health. So enough of me talking. Let's get to Dr. Stone. Welcome, Dr. Stone. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you today?
0: I'm doing excellent. We're talking before the interview. I had an amazing start tomorrow morning. So,
1: Yes, it's a beautiful day.
0: (laughs) Isn't it? So let's get ready to rock. Yes. So so I like to start off my shows by asking, um, tell us about yourself and tell me about your qualifications.
1: Absolutely. So I am a naturopathic doctor practicing in Tempe, Arizona. I've been in my current location for five years, no, six years now. I graduated from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, which is also in Tempe. So I came here from Ohio to go to school and I just never left. And I just absolutely love it in Arizona, lots of sunshine, which is unlike uh, Ohio. So, but the, the primary focus of my practice, practice is thyroid disorders with a secondary focus in hormone and adrenal dysfunction. So yeah, that's my jam. That's what I love to do.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So that means that we're going to have a lot to get into because especially when it comes to hormones, I think that's going to be the yeah. basis of our conversation because now we're hearing a lot of talk about, you know, hormone disorders, especially when they are connected to weight loss and your health. And we still don't know what that means. Um, in fact, I had an interview, I think it was two weeks ago, with Dr. Uh, Kenneth Rodriguez, the endocrinologist. Yeah. And are you, you do, are familiar with him. Oh,
1: yeah, I follow him. He's awesome.
0: <laughs> he is awesome, right? And he was explaining to me that there's still a lot of hormones and even neurotransmitters that we don't still fully know what they do. And that's mm-hmm. why we're always researching, always learning more. So we do have a lot to get into. Yes, absolutely. So, I love your program. I want to start off with that because it says "Um, you help badass women avoid burnout and work smarter. That's the first thing that attracted <laughs> me to you. I was like, I really need to get you on this podcast. Yes. So what do you mean by that? Explain that program to us.
1: Absolutely. So the the majority of my practice is women. And I think that's for a few reasons. Women are more likely to come to the doctor. Most of the men that come came because their wife told them to. (laughs) So I see a lot of women. And a lot of these women are doing so many things and playing so many roles. That's why I think they are so badass is because they just do so much. They are uh, career women. They are taking care of their family. They're taking care of their house. And they're just taking on so much. But what happens in that process is that they, they tend to lose a little bit of themselves. And so what I like to do is empower them to start putting themselves first and to understand that they will best serve the people in their life, whether that's their kids, their families, their friends, whatever, that they can best serve those people by taking care of themselves. And it's easy to get really overwhelmed with all the information, the health information available out there. So what I like to do is make it super simple for them so that they can continue to function at the level that they're trying to function at, but not doing so hot. <laughs> so I give them all the tools. Now they still have to implement them. They still have to do the work. But I, my job is to point them in the right direction and show them how it can be easy and functional, even with all the things that they have going on.
0: Perfect. I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that you say, give them the tools. Because yes. a lot of times, uh, and I've experienced this in my coaching um, practice, clients come to me and say, you know, what can I do to lose some weight? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? And I'm like, you guys slow down. I be yeah. on keto. I on paleo. You know, mm-hmm. does this work? I'm like, no, we, we need to sit down and talk about a few things. And then we get, yeah. I get into their practices, what they do on a daily basis. How do you wake up in the mornings? Are uh, you being jarred you know, are you being jarred o by an alarm clock interrupting your sleep cycles? How do you yeah, go I sleep at sleep night? Um, what do you do at the day? Are you getting adequate sunlight? You know, um, there's so much I teach them and I get through over time. They're like, I didn't expect this from your program. I thought you were gonna tell me to eat six times a day and work out five (laughs) times a day.
1: (laughs) Right? They think there's something special or magical or, you know, some like, you know, thing that they can take or do that's just gonna change everything. When really, a lot of it is the basic stuff. If you can master the basics, that makes everything exorbitantly easier.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And like what you said with the basics too, is, you know, are you connecting with nature? Are you getting fresh air? You know we, know, we know the benefits of vitamin D, which drives me crazy when the COVID situation first happened and, they say, and doctors would say, or scientists would say, should we get vitamin D? Should we not get vitamin D? Some are against it, some, does it work? Does it doesn't work? It's a vitamin.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you <know?
0: laughs> are you going to tell me I shouldn't take it? Like, are you kidding me? And, <laughs> and it's not just, and it also comes naturally in foods. And guess what? Sunlight. Um, yes so many benefits Mm -hmm. right and now there may be a difference with you know because some scientists say you know vitamin d comes with this precursor vitamin k and you know different ways that it may be beneficial that i understand but i'm not gonna stay away from it so you know just natural things that we should do even locking up in our houses and being afraid to go outside and getting the fresh air that we need And how it's impacting our physical, and emotional, and our mental health. So, you know, and we're going to get into gut health and hormones because there's a connection there as well, which we're going to talk about also. So I I love your approach. And when you're a doctor that brings this approach, it excites me. And I love to bring women on you or just women, people in general on who have the knowledge and have the practice that you do.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it always comes back to basics and foundations. If you don't have a good foundation, anything else you do to try and build, it, you're really just kind of putting, you know, water into a bucket that has holes in it. you got to have a good solid base in order to be able to build on that. So that's what I'm all about.
0: And I do agree with you that women are badass, because let me tell you, <laughs> we... <laughs> First of all, I wouldn't be here without them, of course. No one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then also, which is just the fact that they do so much. And a, a lot of times women are givers. They're giving to the world. They're giving to, you know, they're primary, primarily take care of the kids. Or even their husbands say so that that may be an extra kid. Yep. <laughs> so you know it's so much you're doing that you don't stop and think about taking care of your health and you're like and so then you get so caught up and wrapped up in the world but you can take care of yourself and still take care of all those other things especially when you have more energy and you have more strength and you slow down the process of aging and you rebalance your hormones exactly exactly so there's so much that uh comes with that and that we're going to get into a little bit more so
1: yeah yeah
0: so let me ask you this What are some roles that gut health play in combating disease?
1: Oh, man, the gut is huge. You know, in in naturopathic medicine, we always talk about, you know, how disease begins in the gut. And if you can heal the gut, you can make huge strides in terms of your health. So what we know about the gut is that about 70% of the, the immune system lives in the gut. So when we're talking about combating disease, well, we're usually talking about the immune system. So if you can get the gut healthy, that means 70% of your immune system is then healthy, right? So we have something known as gut-associated lymphoid tissue or GALT. And so for people who have ever been sick and you get those swollen lymph nodes in your neck, same type of tissue that is in the gut. So we've got T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes and all of these things happening in the gut. The other piece so, you know, you have a huge portion of your immune system in the gut, but the other piece is all the bugs that are there, right? The microbiome, which we talk about a lot. So the microbiome, some people will call it the gut flora, all of that stuff that lives within us, hugely important. I mean, we have what, like a hundred, I think it's like a hundred trillion of microorganisms that live in our bodies that help protect us from infection, that regulate our metabolism, and they really just promote good gastrointestinal function. And so the other piece of that, because you had talked about, you know, weight management at some point, you know, obesity has actually been associated with not only functional, but structural changes in our gut microbiome. And that's been studied a lot and we're continuing to learn more about that. But if you can get your gut healthy, that's really the ticket to so much healing that can happen just because of the nature of the microbiome and the immune system living in the gut.
0: Awesome. And you know what? You said something that actually kind of brought it back home for me. 70% of your immune system is in your gut. We yeah. don't realize how important that is. That means and you said it so so eloquently. If we were to heal our gut, then we can improve our immune system by 70%, right? Yes, so that, exactly. And also that may differ on how healthy or unhealthy your gut is, you know, so there's yep. that to be played in it. But yes. that is such a key factor. Okay. And we miss that so much. But then the the issue that comes in, we hear about gut health all the time. But we really don't know what that means right we, we we start to hear people say eat seaweed that will help to improve your gut and <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know we hear so many things now that it just gets confusing right and again that's yeah. why we. it's good to have an expert like you to to really bring that on and explain that to us i have um and and something that we often miss too when it comes to gut health is oxidative stress and inflammation oh of and, course and My Actually, the episode-ish that I'm releasing, by the time this comes out, it's going to be two weeks past, but it's this week. And it's on inflammation oxidative stress. Because that's another thing Mm -hmm. that two words that we hear thrown around all the time that we don't know what they mean. And now we associate them with bad things, right? And and we know that inflammation is an important part of your body. When you get a cut, your body sends inflammatory cells to your body to heal that cut. Now, if you have 10 cuts all over your body, then is when you have an issue. And I think of the gut is the same way. If you're constantly destroying your gut, then your body has a harder time fighting off that stress and fighting and um, creating the information to heal your body. So information itself is not bad. Information to me is a signal that something is going on that is bad in your body.
1: Exactly, exactly. Inflammation can be a very helpful thing. We need that. That's part of the healing process. But it's about how long that inflammation is going on and how well your body is equipped to heal it. And kind of going back to other functions or other ways that the gut helps us or or how gut health can impact us is the nervous system, right? You know, a lot of people refer to the gut as the second brain. There's a reason for that. You have, you know, hundred million nerve cells that line your gastrointestinal tract. And so when we talk about that gut-brain connection, a lot of people think about their physical health, but your mental emotional health is impacted by your gut as well.
0: Exactly. And there are foods that we can eat that can assist with that. Uh, of, course. of course. And um, I'm not going to make any recommendations right here on the show, but you, we both know that there are things that you can do there um, to help with that. Also, for me, I start every morning, especially during the week. I roll out of bed. First of all, my alarm is very soft, very subtle. Yeah. It's uh, I'm a soccer fan, and it says, I'm go city, awesome. go city. <laughs> and it slowly gets louder. And usually, usually by then, I'm already woken up anyway. I'm just kind of waiting for it to go off. Mm-hmm. and then my my diffuser for my um essential oils also goes off automatically mm-hmm. at five thirty It goes uh. on automatically at five thirty so I roll out of bed and I meditate for ten to fifteen minutes and I practice it with breath breath work going back <laughs> to um Dr Kenneth Rodriguez, he does something kind of similar. he does breath work with his dog in the mornings.
1: I but, love that
0: <laughs> <laughs> that start makes such a huge difference because studies show that the average american for example will experience five to sometimes six or seven stressors before they wait before they start they really start their day you know the alarm goes off that's the first stressor and they're exhausted they're tired then they're like if you have kids i have to get them ready for school and if you have a husband that's another kid so that's not a stressor you got to <laughs> add to it <laughs> And then, you know, you got to What time is it? I have to shower. I got to start up my computer. If I'm working from home, I don't want to be late. Or if I'm driving in traffic, I'm yelling at people because I live in Orlando. Nobody drives like five miles an hour for some reason. So, <laughs> so, so you know, it's, it's so many. You start off your day in such a high cortisol state, which cortisol, again, is not a bad hormone. It's not a bad neurotransmitter, but it's about controlling it. And you start up in such a bad state that it impacts everything else that happens in your gut and in your body
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah so that connection is very is extremely important also you talked about the gut and you talk about bacteria Mm -hmm. um in the episode i'm about to release i'm about to talk about i'm talking about um there's a research where the doctors took the bacteria from you know exactly that research i'm about to talk i think i know which
1: one yeah but yeah share because i know what one it is yeah
0: right they took it from obese mice And lean mice and transport it into another germ-free mice. And of course, the bacteria from the obese mice made the germ-free mice obese and from the lean mice kept the lean mice lean. They did the same thing with identical twins and the same exact thing happened as far as taking the bacteria from the lean twin and the obese twin and put it into germ-free mice. The same exact thing happened. So then goes back to gut bacteria.
1: Yes, yes, gut bacteria, having good microorganisms to keep your lining healthy, keep your brain healthy, super, super important. I love that study because it just, it, it kind of confirms what we had already been seeing or what we had already been thinking. And I love that when research catches up to what we kind of innately already know clinically.
0: And then another thing I like about recent research as well is in the past, a lot were more, and I've talked to people who are afraid of research. Because they feel like it's promoting something, you know. Like mm. back then, when they would say, you know, honey nut no cereals will help your body lower cholesterol and crazy stuff, <laughs> <and laughs> stuff like that. And yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a story about that. When I um I moved yeah. to Jamaica from uh from Jamaica to the US. Mm-hmm. And when I first came here, I tried her nut Cheerios and I was like, this is heart healthy. This is great. <laughs> and I was popping them things like Skittles. Like oh. <laughs> all throughout the day. I was just, you know, eating them all day. I'm like, this is awesome. And it's lower my cholesterol too. Not thinking, because of course I was like 18. I don't know about all this, <laughs> all, the, all the problems as I'm coming along with it. <laughs> you know? so, so just let everybody know, just be careful of what you listen to and what you eat. But yeah, so I like studies like those that don't promote something specifically, but letting us know that there are things that we can do to improve.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And you know, a lot of it's about marketing too. You can you can cherry pick information out of research to match whatever you're trying to market. So that's also on the media and the marketing team to use information responsibly. So
0: Exactly. So do you have any general recommendations that we could use men and women to improve our gut?
1: Well, you always have to start with food, right? Because we eat, you know, two, three, most people are eating two, three times a day, you know, 365 days a year. So you always have to think about what foods you're eating. And so you had mentioned inflammation earlier. So we always want to focus on things that are anti-inflammatory, that reduce inflammation. And I can't tell you how many times I've had patients share with me that their physician told them that changing their diet wouldn't wouldn't help their condition. And that just blows my mind of course food will always help so you know one of the things that i talk a lot about is fiber americans on average are only getting about 10 to 15 grams of fiber when we really need you know between 25 and 40 depending on whether you're male or female and and some other factors but you got to get enough fiber in because if you get fiber that means good bowel movements which means you're eliminating waste that, that we don't want accumulating in the body so that's huge Drinking plenty of fresh filtered water, Um, of course, so inflammatory foods that we generally want to avoid would be things like sugar, alcohol, processed foods, you know, not all boxed foods are bad, but I teach my patients to always look at the ingredient list, go for low ingredient list, go for things that you recognize. If you're reading a label and you have no idea what that ingredient is, probably not a good thing to put in your body, right? So looking at those things. The other thing that I like to do with a lot of my patients, because a lot of my patients have autoimmune disorders, autoimmune thyroid disorders, Hashimoto's. Uh, And so uh, sometimes what we're doing is identifying what might be trigger foods or problem foods for them. So, we'll look at food sensitivities, things that they might be eating that are creating issues. And they might not be foods that they have to avoid long term, but that help, you know, temporary removal will help us heal up the gut and get things, you know, moving a little bit better. And generally, what I, again, going back to keeping things simple, is I teach people how to make a plate, right? Your general plate should be about half a plate of veggies, you know, some lean protein, one or two tablespoons of fats, some starchy carbs. And that some of that might vary depending on what their fitness level is like, what their health issues are, what their goals are. But that's kind of my general plate that I teach to everyone. So nutrition is huge. The other thing I like to think about too, is that it's not just what you eat, it's how you eat. We are often eating in a rush, right? Like you talked about in the morning, right? People just jump it up. They've got a million things going on. They're eating really fast. But We have a parasympathetic nervous system that it's telling us rest and digest. So we got to slow ourselves down, chew our food, get those digestive enzymes moving, right? So slowing down to eat is also a big piece. Other ways that I think of... Taking care of the gut would be dealing with stress, and that's because that big portion of the nervous system lives in the gut. It's like when you get up to make a speech. If you're nervous, you get that butterfly feeling. That's your nervous system activating, right? So if we can keep that calm, much better off. So for just to give an example, I have a lot of patients with anxiety. Many of them will have gut issues because, that are tied to their anxiety. So if we can get their anxiety levels down, they will do much better. And then the last day, and there's a ton of things I'm sure I could think of to to deal with the gut, but the other thing that I think about a lot is exercising. You're just moving the body. If you can get your blood flowing and things moving, that means the nutrients you are eating get distributed the way that they're supposed to. You've got good blood flow to the extremities, all that good stuff. So those are probably my top things that I think about when I think about keeping the gut healthy.
0: So you're telling me I shouldn't eat popcorn and watch Netflix? You're ruining my (laughs) life.
1: (laughs) You know, you can, but it's about balance. Just don't do it every night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair Um, enough, fair enough. Now you're going to be my bad conscience.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: I absolutely can't stand popcorn. I'm weird. <laughs> my That's are, funny. My yeah. friends are of me about stuff like that. They're like, do you not eat it because it's unhealthy? I like, I just don't like the taste of it anymore. It's <laughs> so
1: funny. Now, have you tried different types? Because they have like different flavors and stuff. Like, not just like your plain, but they've got, I don't know, some with like sweeter stuff in them, which we probably shouldn't do anyway. But
0: <laughs> Well, for me, my body works on and it. And I know it has a lot to do with my gut microbiome. My body mm-hmm. craves certain foods. Yep. And now, for example, if I, I would rather eat a mango than eat processed food, my body just craves it. I want it. And also, too, I grew up in Jamaica, so I grew up on natural foods too. So I'm going back oh to what I did as a child. So yep. um and so ever since I improved my um my gut microbiome, I my body just craves certain things, especially with how much I train. I'm I'm a psycho. I live about six days a week. So yeah. not saying everybody should, but that's just my thing. Yep. and um my body tells me you need carbs my body will tell me you need protein um, so so yeah so, so basically that's why i just can't eat certain things if i eat pasta i don't feel good i just don't like certain foods but yep. uh you said something though and i have, i really want to talk about this for a couple of minutes and about doctors and diets we mm-hmm. do need western medicine western medicine is important but i have a story <laughs> I struggled with allergies and asthma for years. Oh. It was so bad. I had to leave work so many times because I was dizzy and couldn't breathe. And I'll get into the doctor and, few, and every time I went, I was on Advir and some pill. I don't remember what the name of it is anymore. And of course, I think it's albuterol, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I kept asking my doctor, is there something I can do other than take this medicine? Yes, I'll take my medicine, right? but yep. there's something else I can do. And he looked at me and he smiled and he was like, no, you have to take your medicine. And I'm like, are you serious? I was 34, 35 at the time. Okay. And I said, you know what? No, I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm going to take my medicine, but I have to eventually get off this. I can't, if I start now, I'm going to be on medicine the rest of my life. Exactly. You know, the first book I picked up was um, a book from Dr. Stephen Gundry, The Plant mm-hmm. Paradox. He started talking about lectins and leaky gut. Never heard of lectins a day in my life. I thought if I eat certain foods, I eat vegetables, I'm healthy, which I'm not saying vegetables are not healthy. I'm not saying fruits are not healthy. I'm not getting there. Right. But I never knew all the other poisons that can come with it and the preparation of the food. I never understood that. When you talk about leaky gut, I was a little skeptical. I've never really heard that term before and now it's becoming a lot more popular. We're talking about it a lot more. But back when, when, he, when I first read that book, that's the first time I heard of it. Yep. But I... And I also started listening to some podcasts, like uh, you might know um, Ben Greenfield or yep. um, Sean Stevenson. I don't know why he's an <laughs> <laughs> excellent podcast. And, it, and I started, you know, implementing the changes and he would bring on experts. I'd read, all, I'd read books like all the time, the reading, improving, improving. All that being said, I have not taken my medicine in over two years.
1: Good for you. Yes.
0: And that goes to show that there are things we can do. Because I knew that after reading and studying and practicing things, I realized that the health of my gut was impacting my allergies, which was in turn impacting my asthma. So once I trained my body to not react to the world where I was sneezing and having a um, a hard time dealing with pathogens and, and issues... Then I could breathe a lot better because I've been working out basically all my adult life. It was never a thing that had to do with, you know, working out and not being able to breathe. It was connected to the health of my gut. So mm-hmm. I really want to yeah. tell that story because that's really personal to me. I wish I kept my last advir and wear it around my neck like a freaking <laughs> necklace. <because laughs> I, that's the yeah. only thing I've ever said. I never did that. Because, yes. <laughs> uh, but, um, I think I should have the pills somewhere around here. I don't know, some somewhere around here, but that is very touching to me. And I'm telling people that I'm not telling anybody to get off their medicine, but right. working with doctors like Carolyn Stone and other experts can really change your life on so many levels.
1: Yeah. And I always think about, you know, if if that was more of the norm if that was where people started and didn't have to fail at all these conventional medicines first to find that, because that's typically how it happens. Someone fails in the conventional medical system and then they come see a naturopathic doctor, right? So we've really got our work cut out for us. Imagine if that was the norm and people could heal so much earlier on in life and not have to suffer. People suffer for five, 10 years sometimes before they come to see me. And I just feel terrible that that has been their experience with the medical system. It could be so much better, but you know we're working on
0: it <laughs> i think also a lot of us being brainwashed for lack of better mm-hmm. term because when we think natu- naturopathic doctor right we're thinking somebody's going to walk around with seance and let the place <laughs> let it rain and, you know. <laughs>
1: we, we might do that too but we also do
0: other things <laughs> if i need to make it, if i need to make it rain i'll give you a call Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about our best friend. Let's talk about sugars. Oh, sugar. (laughs) Let's talk about sugar addiction. How does it work? And how is it connected to dopamine?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's interesting, not that long ago, maybe a couple months ago, I did a 21 day sugar reset with a group of folks and it was just so eye-opening for them. It, it's And it's so rewarding for me for people to learn about their bodies and learn about how food affects them. And sugar is huge because it's so pervasive. It's in everything. It's in things that you wouldn't even think should have sugar in them, but they put it in there anyway. And really, sugar starts to affect you from the moment it touches your tongue, right? So that first bite, that activates those sweet receptors, those taste receptors on the tongue. And then that signal travels right to the brain right? Right to the cerebral cortex. And that's where it activates that reward system, right? And that's the same reward system that is activated by sex, drugs, uh, even socializing will activate that reward system. And that's where dopamine comes in, right? That's that feel-good receptor, sorry, feel-good neurotransmitter. And so sugar is just pushing that pathway. So if we eat something and then it makes us feel good, then we're more likely to go back to that thing and to keep Doing it so sugar addiction really has a lot to do with how it affects dopamine, how it affects your brain response, and it can be super hard for people to get off of. It's like pulling teeth to get people off of sugar, and they're always like, "All sugar? Well, what about honey? What about uh, coconut sugar? What about this? What about that?" And they're always trying to find <laughs> some way around it, like an addict would. I mean, honestly, there's always you know some pathway that they're trying to sneak a little bit more sugar in. And I don't think that, you know, we have to avoid all sugar forever, right? And there's different types of sugar, processed sugar versus the natural sugars that we see in foods. But I like what you mentioned earlier about, you know, the healthier you got, you craved different foods. And so I teach people that if you can cut out sugar, you will realize just how sweet fruit is. And it literally transforms the way that you taste your food and perceive your food. So yeah, sugar, sugar's gnarly. That one's got to go. We have to give that one a break.
0: (laughs) Right. And you know, it's such a, like I said, it's dopamine receptors, right? The connection Mm -hmm. there because you start craving more. And something that we frowned upon for years, I would say decades, that does the same thing as sugar, crack, cocaine.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. -hmm. It
0: literally does the same thing. It plays upon your dopamine receptors. And so that you get it and you want more and you want more alcohol can also do the same thing. And that's when drinking gets important. It gets that dangerous because if you're drinking a sweet, sweet alcohol, for example, then you have it, you play, it's being played on both ends because the alcohol addiction and then the sugar addiction, and then the damage is doing to your gut, then the damage you're doing to your brain, you know, when you. I don't know if you've been hungover before, but honestly, I have. Yes,
1: unfortunately, <laughs> it's a
0: rite of passage if you go to college. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: <laughs> My father has never been, never been drunk a day in his life. I don't know if that how that's even possible.
1: It's amazing. That's amazing. I <laughs> uh,
0: every time he tells me that, I'm like, "Are you serious?" But I mean, I haven't been drunk in a long time. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but come on, man. <laughs> 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 but um, when you wake up the next day and you look like you age 20 years, yeah, that's the dehydration, the, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the destruction to your gut, the destruction to your mind, your brain. There's so many bad things going on, the excess aging, the oxidative stress. Here comes inflammation trying to help you out, but they're like, what are you doing to me? I can't handle all this. So yep. then you, you sit around in bed all day, right? And go that to what I say, when, we're, when inflammation is a signal that something else is happening. Oxidative stress is a signal something else is happening. So that we need to focus on what's causing the inflammation instead of just the inflammation by itself, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. It's just a body response. And I, you know, I talk to patients a lot too about recognizing when they're out of balance. So many people are disconnected from how their body feels or they've had symptoms for so long that it's become their norm that they forget what it feels like to feel good. They don't realize how bad they feel. So we have to be in tune with our bodies and recognize when something's a symptom and a problem and a sign that there's an imbalance.
0: Exactly, and then when the when you throw the addiction on top of that, that you tell me I can't, I I can't eat. I don't know, I I can't think of something right now, but <laughs> my protein bar that I eat, you know, or something mm-hmm. like you know, I'm addicted mm-hmm. to it. So then you know, it's a shock because we just don't want to do it because we don't want to make those changes. But again, there's just, there's so many things that we can do, and even you get to the point, and that we talked about this before already, but just to hammer it home. Where you love what you eat so much, it doesn't feel like you're abstaining. Because when we talk about diet, we so get caught up in we think about a lack of this and taking things out and taking things out. But there's so so many good wholesome foods that you can eat and enjoy, even mm-hmm. um, alcohol. Like my friends laugh at me because they because I love dry red wine. Mm-hmm. I, I actually love dry red wine. <laughs> my favorite evenings when I've eaten steak with dry red wine and, you know, Ooh. watching TV. And it's, it's just great. And I love it. Mm-hmm. But that's what my, my body craves. Now, my body doesn't crave that all the time, but that's what my body, you know, so that my body will crave that, right? Yeah. So we can eat or I love sushi, mm-hmm. especially when it's prepared well. Yep. So I love kombucha. I love the taste of kombucha, which mm-hmm. is great for your gut microbiome. So, your body will crave those things. Your body will crave good, wholesome, natural foods. And then omega 3s is omega 6, which I will talk about that in that episode as well. But mm-hmm. just a quick tidbit on that we have evolved on a one to one ratio of omega 3s to omega 6. One is inflammatory, one is anti inflammatory. Some may say two to one omega 3s to omega 6. Okay, whichever part of the spectrum you fall, as long as you're getting a good amount of omega 3s to omega 6. Right, St- The standard American diet, which uh, some people call a SAD, <laughs> standard American diet, our
1: yeah.
0: average is what, 15 to 1 omega-6s to omega-3s?
1: Yeah, it's huge,
0: huge. Think about how crazy that is. Mm-hmm. We're constantly causing information, causing information, and we're wondering, I don't know why I don't have any energy, or I wonder why I feel like this, because we're yeah. constantly causing those issues.
1: Yeah, it's no wonder we're so sick. It's no wonder our rates of diabetes and heart disease are so high. It's it's so obvious from people who know, right, who know what the basis of disease is to see why our nation is the way it is right
0: now. E- exactly. You are 100 percent correct. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about uh, hypothyroidism mm-hmm. related to energy expenditure.
1: That's a great question because we talk a lot about energy with hypothyroidism. So when we're looking at hypothyroidism, whether you know that's Hashimoto's primary, secondary hypothyroidism, what we're really looking at is that there is a decreased production of active thyroid hormone. So if we're looking at labs, that would be low T3 and or T4 uh, with a high... TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone. So when you don't have enough of those active hormones, that's where all the problems lie because thyroid, those active thyroid hormones, they regulate metabolism. They regulate energy expenditure. They regulate a lot of different things. So if you don't have enough of those active thyroid hormones, of course, you're going to feel sluggish. Of course, you're going to have trouble losing weight. Literally folks who have hypothyroidism, I notice that their temperature is a good degree less than what it should be for most folks. So if if the average that we're looking for is about 98.4, most of these folks are running in the 97s. So they literally don't even have enough heat in their body to metabolize things appropriately. Uh, and, And T3 in particular, that simulates the production of a neurotransmitter called norepinephrine or NE and that increases lipolysis which is our breakdown of fat so you can't reduce your body fat if you don't have enough of your active thyroid hormones right and that whole process just leans itself towards towards energy production so super common to have fatigue when you have hypothyroidism
0: Oh wow! And he actually just told me some things I didn't know. I did not know the connection between T three and lipolysis, for example. Yeah, that's 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 really powerful. And I, mm-hmm. I urge anyone that's listening to this episode to go back and listen to just that segment alone to get a yeah. full understanding of what she just said, because okay, that's extremely powerful. And you you posted something on Instagram, I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago, where mm-hmm. um, I believe he's an endocrinologist, or or I'm not sure what the doctor was, but he said that if you, um, if you have regular thyroid, um, levels, then you do not have Hashimoto's. So yeah, it
1: was, what it was is if they said, if you have Hashimoto's and your thyroid hormone levels are normal, that there's no treatment, no treatment. Wow. Yeah. Which I highly disagree with. I highly disagree with the fact that there are, you know, in Hashimoto's, the, the, Sign of that is elevated antibodies, whether that's TPO antibodies or thyrocovulant antibodies. So the fact that there's positive antibodies tells us there's an imbalance, tells us there's inflammation. And we know if there's inflammation, then something is going going wrong. Right. yeah yeah and the biggest piece is that in the conventional world they treat Hashimoto's the same way as they do hypothyroidism which means that if the labs look normal which whatever's considered normal for thyroid labs can differ depending on who you talk to my my reference ranges are a little bit different than conventional doctors but to them if that looks normal then there's no treatment that needs to be done whereas if it's a naturopathic doctor I know if somebody has Hashimoto's even if their thyroid labs are normal, there's a lot that we can do to help them. And that's actually the best time to help them so that they don't progress into hypothyroidism.
0: And there's, okay. a, there's a scientist I'm going to bring on the show in a couple of weeks. I won't say who it is. I don't want <laughs> to spoil it, don't but I, it I don't want to give it away. But he's going to talk about that a little bit, too. And uh, awesome. that specific uh, example And then he's going to get into if you can actually have the baseline on the line issues that you, your thyroid levels may look normal, but the baseline that's affecting kind of what you're saying, your thyroid levels may be off and then we need to fix those. Um, So we're going to get into that as well. But I really love that you bring that up because conventionally we get so caught up. If this is happening, then that's here. Mm -hmm. We have to look at the whole picture. And if you don't, And I'm going to say this, and it's a bold statement, but if your doctor doesn't look at the whole picture, you may need a new doctor.
1: Yep, I highly agree with that. Highly agree with that. And again, if your only tool is prescription medication then of course you're not going to do anything else, right? If you don't have nutrition in your toolbox, if you don't have certain nutrients in your toolbox, if you don't have lifestyle changes in your toolbox, well, then it's going to look like there's nothing else you can do because the medication may not be appropriate in that person. So that's really the difference.
0: Exactly. Like talk about lifestyle change. We talk about walking. We talk about sunlight. Um, ke- ke- ketosis is, um, or keto mm-hmm. could also be a lifestyle change. But I want to talk about keto just for a little bit because this yeah. is something that really, I think, um what's, is it Peter on Family Guy that says, um <laughs> what's he say again? <laughs> grinds my gears, grinds my gears. That's what he said.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: that grind, this grinds my gears because we get so caught up with keto as a weight loss tool, not realizing that short-term keto can really help to heal your gut, especially if you're working with an expert. Yep. It's, uh, it can... The carnivore diet can be the ultimate elimination diet, like Dr. Steven Gundry will say, because mm-hmm. it eliminates a lot of toxins, it eliminates a lot of lectins. But then you may not need to necessarily be in keto all your life. You may not need to be uh, carnivore diet all your life, especially if you're limiting um, the your gut, the diversity of your gut, because everything you eat brings something else to your gut. And if you're, for example, if you're not eating carbs, your body may kind of forget to burn, br- to, how to burn it, right? Because it's not eating it. You want to have metabolic flexibility. I'm going to give you, let said say the audience, an example of how I use met- metabolic flexibility. I do intermittent fasting every day. Mm-hmm. I don't now, I res- I'm not necessarily eating in six hour windows. My windows are a little bit longer, about eight hours or so. Especially but mm-hmm. I eat more, if I do eat carbs, I eat more from around the time that I lift yeah. for a specific reason. But once a week, I do a dinner to dinner fast mm-hmm. every week without fail. And my friends laugh at me because they say, why do you always have the best mood in your <laughs> fasting day? If I don't eat for 24 hours, I don't know what I will do. I said, mm-hmm. cause my, my metabolism is extremely flexible. My body knows, okay, he's not going to feed me from Wednesday to Thursday. Yep. I'm going to kick into ketosis. Yep. During the daytime when I'm eating a lot of good fats, saturated fat, good sources of unsaturated fat, my body's in ketosis, but the more that I lift, I use more carbs because there's a glycogen, your, your glycogen can be stored in your muscles as well. Yep. So I do that specifically. So I can use ketones when I need ketones, but for quick energy, I am using carbs. Yep. And even with my carbs, I eat, I don't really eat um, added sugars. I couldn't tell the last time I ate something with added sugars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do eat good natural sources of sugars that comes in food for the yep. most yep. part. Yep. So, yep.
1: Yeah. And I think you make a really great point. A lot of times I'm using those styles of eating as a jumping off point, as a way to get people started. But long-term, we often see that it's not sustainable long-term and we have to modify it, you know, to get them all the nutrients that they need and to support their system. So yeah, I love that you, you mentioned that.
0: I mean, are you telling me that a mango is bad for me?
1: (laughs) mango oh my gosh so right good. <laughs> I mean
0: I don't sit around eating mangoes all day but I'm just saying are you really telling me that an apple is an apple a day keeps the doctor away it's a true thing right, right. I mean, you tell me an apple <laughs> is bad for me because we have to really think about some of the things that people say now stop yep. thinking about the short term stop thinking about I just want to drop 10 pounds and fit in my bikini yeah. think about a lifestyle change. my listeners are probably gonna get tired of me saying it's enjoy the journey you yeah, know, enjoy the ride. Like driving to a beach or driving to the countryside, and you just enjoying the journey itself. That's what it needs to do. When you, like you said, when you start feeling better, have more energy, and all that stuff. It's just, I mean, it's hard to explain to someone who haven't mm-hmm. actually experienced it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I always talk about health being a long game. It's not like you mentioned. It's not about that ten pounds you need to lose right now. It's about how mobile do you want to be when you're seventy years old. Right? I saw this video of this seven year old man on a swing did a flip. Off of the swing. That's the kind of life I want to live when I'm 70. Which means I eat well now. I move my body, right? So it's if you can look at the long game, it, it's so much easier because you don't worry about those little slip up, you know, slip ups or those little cheats that people call them. No, that's just a part of life. But if the majority of the time you're doing things that support good health, that's really what matters.
0: Exactly, you're right on point. <laughs> so let's talk about environmental toxins and how they impact <clears> your health. <throat>
1: Oh man, that's a huge one. Huge, huge, huge. And we're seeing a good, good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Nicole Fujiyama. She does a lot of work. She's in California and she does a lot of work with autoimmune disorders. And so she's been talking a lot about how our environment, any, everything from the air we breathe, to the water we drink, to the makeup that we use, all of that stuff impacts our health. And so in terms of environmental toxins and the thyroid, it's the same thing, you know, especially again, because a lot of my patients are women, I'm always harping on them about their cosmetics and the things that they use. So cosmetics will contain, I mean, they have lipstick that has lead in it. Um, There are what we call PFCs present. PFCs actually affect your T3 levels. So that's huge. Um, Phthalates are also present in cosmetics, uh, as well as uh, like moisturizers and soaps and those kinds of things. And those affect your iodine uptake. And so for those who aren't aware, iodine is very important for thyroid function and thyroid hormone production. Uh, Pesticides and fungicides will impact thyroid enzyme production. So, you know, that's why we harp on organic. You know, it's not just some scam. I hear that a lot. Oh, there's no difference between organic and conventional. I'm like, yeah, there kind of is. So this is one of the areas where it does matter. Um, Triclosan, which is what they've taken triclosan out of a lot of of different soaps now, but they're still present in uh, sanitizers. A lot of people are using sanitizers. And that actually, triclosan actually resembles the structure of thyroid hormones. And so because of that, because it looks like that, it can alter thyroid hormone production. So that's huge. Um, Lead and chromium. So again, going back to heavy metals, lead, chromium, cadmium, mercury, those can deactivate thyroid hormones. Those can impact the conversion into active thyroid hormones. So one of the things that we talk about with thyroid hormone production is most of what your thyroid gland makes is T4. And it's the peripheral tissues, your muscles, your liver, et cetera, that converted into T3. T3 is really the heavy hitter when it comes to active thyroid hormones. So things like cadmium and mercury will impact that conversion of T4 into the active T3. And so in labs, what I'll see is they might have optimal levels of T4, but their T3 is low or on the lower end of normal, which tells me they're not converting well. So that's, you know, my job is trying to investigate and figure out why aren't they converting well. And certainly environmental toxins can be one of those things. So the impact is huge.
0: And you started by talking about the skincare.
1: Yeah. And
0: I want to talk about that for a moment. I don't sell Mary Kay, but I'm a <laughs> And I know if it was her or someone or I read it somewhere that there are over a hundred or so chemicals in the Mary Kay in the United States that's banned in Europe.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's really common to see that even with food, right, ingredients will be different in Europe because certain things are banned, but they'll feed them to people here in the U.S., Right, that that to me is so immoral. (laughs) But you know, it's about what people are willing to fight for, and who's got money and power, and all of those things.
0: There was a time that the there's a chemical in Subway bread. That you can oh, yeah. also find in um yoga mats. Yoga mats, yes. <laughs> and and subway has been told, I used to work at Subway, I didn't even know this stuff. And mm-hmm. Subway has been told it's been told, you know, told it as being healthy, which it can, but the chemicals that's in the bread is causing other issues, right? Yes. So so you may lose some weight, but then you're impacting your gut and damaging your gut, which can impact your longevity.
1: Yep, yep, exactly.
0: And then you know the number one detox organ, and Sean Stevenson says this all the time is our skin. Mm -hmm. So it's the fact that we're putting poisons on our skin, that's going into our bodies and into our bloodstream.
1: And our skin
0: can soak things quicker than how we can actually eat it. So stop and think about that for a second. That's where being natural plays a huge role. I always tell this story. My listeners probably going to kill me for saying this again. (laughs) When I moved to the U.S., You know how many years, literally years it took me to understand what organic meant? Oh. Because the things that we put in the stuff in America, I'm like, we didn't we don't use that in Jamaica. So right. I'm like, what is why is why does this apple cost more? I never thought <laughs> so what is organic? And I would Google it, I'll look it up, I'll ask people and they would explain it to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just making it sense. I couldn't fathom the fact that we have certain things that we feed people naturally here. I mean, yep. oh my gosh, the water. I released an episode. Was two weeks ago on water. Mm-hmm. Time this comes out to be about a month or five weeks, but you can go back and listen to that episode.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I talk about the, the research that's done and how we find rocket fuel, residue of like Tylenol, you know, yep. fluoride in our water. I mean, fluoride may be good for your teeth. Not maybe. Fluoride is good for your teeth. Or for your gut, mm, not so much. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a I don't have to taste a rocket fuel. I even when I was unhealthy, I still never had to taste a rocket fuel, but
1: no, I don't think anyone does, or they shouldn't anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And and it's such so minute that we don't realize, but when you're constantly drinking water, drinking water, which you do need to drink water, of course, right? But you're constantly drinking and drinking, it adds up, and your body has to constantly deal with all these toxins in your liver and so on and so forth. So yes. You know there's so there's so many things that we give ourselves that they they that that damage us on so many levels, but we just don't know and I'm gonna say this a hundred times, that's why I have this show, and that's why I bring on experts like you, dr. Stone
1: yes, yes, exactly, there's just so much that's not known, so we gotta get the info out there
0: and then breathing too, when you talk about environmental yeah. toxins right, and the mm-hmm. breath that we breathe, you know one tip out to everyone. Of course, having a humidifier definitely helps Um, sure. or air filter. Having plants in your home. Everyone yes. should have plants in your home. Everyone yep. should go outside and get fresh air. You can, You can, I guess you say, stay six feet away from people and still go outside. <laughs> Why do we act like those things are mutually exclusive?
1: Right? Um, yeah, we I don't, don't have to hide in our homes. You can be in your backyard.
0: <laughs> exactly. You can get fresh air and grounding, getting the negative ions. And eventually I'm going to write an article on um, energies and the uh, and talk about the earth and how connecting to the earth and the vibration of the earth and how it impacts our health. Because healthier nations, one of the things they do is they connect with nature. Yep. Um, that can even be connect with animals. There's research that shows that people who have animals tend to live longer, live happier lives, or yeah. people who spend time out in nature. There's so many things that we need to do to stop thinking about what am I... I want to drop 10 pounds and then gain 20 later after, after summer's over and then I'll deal with it again later. You can only mm-hmm. sustain that for so long.
1: Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We're so disconnected from nature.
0: So let me ask you this brown fat and white fat, brown adipose tissue and white adipose tissue. So again, yeah. away from nature now we're talking more about what we have inside our bodies. A lot of people do not know the difference. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of can you break that down for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So white fat is typically what people think about when they think of fat. That's what builds up when there is excessive intake of calories. Uh, it stores those extra calories as a means of having energy when we don't have enough food available. Problem is, in the United States, we have a lot of food available. <laughs> There's fast food on every corner, right? So we're not, you know, we're not hunter-gatherers anymore, and we're typically not in any type of star- starvation state unless it's intentional. So why fat is typically what people are thinking of when they think of fat. Um, And this type of fat tends to accumulate more in the thighs, in the hips, in the stomach, and also, especially if you're accumulating in the belly. So when people talk about belly fat, that in particular will increase folks' risk for things like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. So that's the one that we think about a lot, but brown fat is also very important. So brown fat or brown brown adipose tissue actually helps our body maintain our temperature when we get cold. It's the same type of fat that bears use to stay warm when they go into hibernation, right? So brown fat is more about thermogenesis, about temperature regulation. And so not just their functions are different, but the structures are actually different too. So white fat is like these big droplets of fatty acids versus brown fat is packed with mitochondria. So if we go back to grade school, right, what are mitochondria? Those are our powerhouses. And we call them powerhouses because they're about creating energy, making energy. And and that's huge, right? So, you know, they, our bodies take it, you know, when we take in nutrients like sugar and white fat, break those down to make energy, brown fat will store energy in a smaller space really than white fat does. Most of what we have is white fat, right? Much less of brown fat. Interestingly enough, there's this connection between brown fats, well, and white fats as well, and our thyroid hormones. And so we talked before about activation of T4 into T3, right? So getting that active thyroid hormone. One of the ways or one of the things that's necessary for that is something called d type 2 or D2. Not to be confused with vitamin D2, that's a different thing. Uh, This is more geared towards thyroid. And so D2, not only is it expressed in the hypothalamus, which is part of the brain, but it's also expressed in white fat and brown fat, uh, and as well as as skeletal muscle. So we often see that people who have hypothyroidism have decreased activity in their brown adipose tissue, which makes sense, because like we talked about earlier, people with hypothyroidism tend to have a lower temperature. And if brown fat, right, brown adipose tissue is about thermogenesis, well, of course, right, it all connects and it all makes sense.
0: I was just writing that down because I was just about <laughs> to mention that thermogenesis. It makes perfect, perfect sense. There, there's a, yep. And that's with our bodies. There's always those connections. We just don't think about enough. it yep. um, is is uh, kind of funny in a way, but in Jamaica, whenever someone has a, a hard stomach, we associate mm-hmm. it with being good. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. look how hard his stomach is. Like you have a belly and we're like, look how hard his stomach is. You know, and I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, is that caucus, interesting? <laughs> Right, like yeah. your are talking to nutritionist here. No, I'm telling you. Now, I don't try to bust their bubbles. So I don't necessarily say it that way, but <laughs> no, it's that, that's, that's, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Not white fat. I'm looking for another word that seems to escape me. It'll come back to me sometime yeah. later on, but it's a, it's a type of fat that surrounds our organs, Right. okay
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so then so when you see someone with a a large not large and a hard belly that means they have a lot of fat in that area like
1: visceral fat is that what you mean there's the word there we go visceral (laughs) fat that's
0: the word i'm looking for yes yep and this is what strikes me so crazy to me and how we take so long to figure things out we look at when we look at someone with a belly and we open them up and we act like we're surprised that they have fat in or surrounding their organs. And mm-hmm. we say, oh, it's because they eat fat while they have fat surrounding their organs. How do we get from here to there? First yeah. of all, if I see that you have a belly, especially if it's hard, you, I don't need to open you up to know that you have fat surrounding your organs. It's just, yeah. no. Yep. know, so, so if whatever you're doing to get that down, shows that you can you can make some improvements there right so yep. how do we not how i still some of the things that i just dumbs found me sometimes like how we not oh, figure yeah. stu- stuff like that out so it's yeah it's really insane and it like peter would say grinds my gears
1: yes and like we kind of mentioned before some of that is really good marketing you know it used to be that they always thought that fat made you fat right and so there's this huge push right low fat low fat everything well what did they replace all that fat with sugar and what happened we got fatter so it was not not helpful but there was a lot of money that was involved in that from different people in the food industry. So there's a lot, you know, people, I can understand why people struggle with this stuff because they're getting so much misinformation. The internet is great because we have access to so many different things, but it's also not great because we have access to so many things, meaning that not everything on the internet is true. And I think people innately know that, but it's sometimes hard as a consumer to be able to tell the difference between what is good information and what is bad information. Cause you have people who you maybe believe to be educated that are not necessarily spreading accurate information. So it's a tough world out there.
0: Right. So if you're eating seaweed trying to fight COVID-19, you may want to reconsider. Just let so everybody <laughs> know that. I'm not yeah. a medical doctor, but that's the only advice I'm allowed to give. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Seaweed's great, but, you know, it's not going not gonna to make miracles. <laughs>
0: you may want to still practice your social distancing and wearing your mask and whatever else you need to do. You know, but <laughs> just, just want to. That's my official recommendation right there. There you go. <laughs> so, um. This has been a great interview. I mean, I had an amazing time, and I learned a lot. So, people, anyone on Twitter, look out because I'm about to tweet a bunch of stuff, especially the week <laughs> of this interview. Go to my Instagram because I'm gonna post almost every day about the conversation. These, this conversation, because I learned so much. This is fantastic.
1: That's awesome. I've had so much fun. <laughs>
0: So is there anything stress-related, gut issues, thyroid, anything else that you want to tell my listeners right now?
1: I would just reiterate that the most important things to focus on are the foundations, what you eat, moving your body. Dealing with your stress, whether that's meditation, deep breathing, what therapy, whatever you got to do, connecting with other people, having good boundaries. Those things are so important and being consistent with those things. You know, it's not about doing it for three weeks. Right. Not about doing these short term things. We got to look at the long term. So be consistent. Take care of your foundation. And a lot of times the rest of the stuff will just fall into place.
0: But I'm trying to fit in my bikini for summer. What are you trying to (laughs) do?
1: And we can do that too but <laughs> like you can do all the things
0: <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough fair enough and I'm not making fun of women because men also wear bikinis that's what you know oh. I wear a bikini okay so yeah.
1: get your speedo on it's fine
0: <laughs> exactly if somebody has a problem with it that's their issue but
1: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> now of course I have to ask how can we get in touch with you
1: Honestly, I would say probably the best way is Instagram. And that's because if you go to my profile, profile, there's a link right there. From that link, you can go to my website. If you're in Arizona and you want to book a consult, you can do it there. I've got free handouts in there, different downloads. So hit me up on Instagram. If you've got questions, send me a DM. I always love chatting with people. I always love learning about folks and just finding different ways that we connect and can all get better together.
0: That's great. And, um, her page is connected to my page. And of course I will show, I will share the information in uh, the show notes and also the description of the podcast. Anybody wants to message me as well. I can definitely recommend Dr. Stone to you. She is awesome.
1: Yeah. Right back at you, bud. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Thank you so much. So thanks everyone. And, uh, Dr. Stone enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thank you. You too. I appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save, subscribe, and share it out there with family, friends, coworkers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.